0: Toss. Bounces down, dangerous now on the ground. The shot, a goal. It's Dejan Jovalich. The reserve enters and breaks Nashville's hearts in the 86th. The Nashville Seed drops a match. It's third in eight. It also won three on the road trip and drew two, and we're here to talk about it. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And I'm Nashville SC radio voice, Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of clubcountryusa.com. As always, we're sponsored by, guess who? ML Rose, our soundtrack comes from Moon Taxi. iHeartRadio brought you Galaxy's game-winning goal in the waning moments of Nashville's first ever visit to Carson. Tim, a really good road trip, but a disappointing way to end it.
1: Yeah. And the way it played out was it was particularly frustrating for fans. Definitely. You could feel a Los Angeles goal coming, but it also looked for a long time like Nashville will be able to do just enough to prevent it from actually arriving. Uh, in the end, a road loss to a top four team in the conference is far from embarrassing, but it's going to feel like that, that lost opportunity for that final bonus point on that long road trip
0: we've yet to see the jig from Gary Smith, but he does owe <laughs> us one. And and surely if he'd been told 11 points through your first eight on the road, to start the season, he, he's told that in advance, he'd be thrilled, but the way it is, he would be
1: doing a jig. He's he would doing a jig. A jig.
0: It's coming I, again. Maybe it's midfield before the first game, as we suggested, maybe it's press conference. We don't really care when, as long as it happens and we will hold him to that. Um, but of course the way it ends, you know, the, the one nil loss, a, a, a fairly, uh, listless performance in the attack in the second half. Does that color what Nashville accomplished in those first eight matches? It had a chance to put itself in tremendous position. Instead, just one point in those final two, and it's merely in pretty dang good position.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is worse to have not drawn or won in Los Angeles than it than than to have been able to do that. But you know, it's one game out of eight. In the, at the end of the day, I think the, the FC Dallas performance is, is far more disappointing when you look at how it played out and kind of what the result was. So, yeah, it's disappointing. But um, in a 34-game season, most teams are going to have a pretty good handful of those. And if Nashville SC is is going to be as stingy with the, with the stinkers as we've seen in the past couple of years, I think people will be happy uh, when they realize that this was kind of a rarity to have such a poor game.
0: And the good news is, not a lot of wasted thought, or or really even time spent on this podcast about that match, because up next the most heralded match since the club's inaugural contest two years ago, the home opener at Geodes Park.
1: Yeah, it's going to be oh man. I, I don't even know how to put it into words how excited we are for it. the The facility is amazing. We've seen it. I know a number of fans have gone out and seen it, and it's. To actually see the team going out there and not just running through some drills, to see them playing an actual soccer game is going to be incredible. And, and it's up to the fans to make sure that the atmosphere lives up to that as well.
0: And I don't doubt that it will. It, it really is. I you know, Seeing it empty and even seeing it with a few hundred supporters at that open training mm-hmm. uh, was, was still pretty surreal and incredible. And you think about what it's going to be like full. I don't really have... A schema in my mind to match what that's going to be. It's it's one of those where I I try not to even think about it too much. It's going to be special. It's going to be a really special moment for Nashville soccer and a moment for us who have covered this club for so long and see this as the culmination to date uh, of so much of what has built here. Um, So we will in the early shout today, talk about what happened to the attack Saturday. Uh, We'll we'll recap the road trip and put that in some historical context of how it compares to other clubs, long season opening journeys. And then we're going to get into some pretty, pretty cool stuff. We have an awesome interview with Eddie Carvacho. He's my color analyst for net, my color analyst. He's the color analyst, (laughs) my partner in the booth uh, for Nashville SC radio. And Eddie has such a compelling story I think more than maybe anybody in this market, he has great perspective on the past of MLS, the present of where Nashville SC is, is, and the future of the game because he is an academy director. He's a former MLS coach, former Nashville Metro as well. And, of course, he's analyzing the matches every week too. So he has and stories I, I think on it's stories.
1: Important, I think it's important to know too that that both of his kids are college athletes or were college athletes yeah. and not in soccer. So it's no. kind of a breadth to his experience. He gets where soccer fits in a way that it, it doesn't fit quite the same that basketball fits into the into the NCAA, to the pro. All, all the kind of different perspectives that he brings to the situation are, are really kind of enlightening in a way that I don't think anybody else could do. Well, I agree,
0: and there's not only a breadth to his experience, but a, a severe height to his experience as well. <laughs> the man's 6'3", and I think his kids might even be taller. Uh, he's, he's a He is a great guy, first and foremost, <laughs> and has some tremendous stories, and, and yeah, you're going to want to hang on for that interview, uh, for sure. And then it's time for the mailbag. We'll talk a little bit about sub-patterns against LA. I think that was maybe the talking point uh, after the match in a lot of circles. And then what can can we expect now that the team is returning home? Should Nashville consider itself a contender for a trophy now based on the foundation it has laid in those first eight away from home and then finally go outside in? One of the biggest two-legged ties in MLS history kicks off on Wednesday. What's happening to New England? We'll ask that question again and we'll look briefly at our favorite US Open Cup matchups including a rivalry renewed at Geodas Park between Nashville and Atlanta. But First Club and Country is sponsored by ML Rose. And Tim, more listener comments, more people taking our advice and heading to the Best Burger Joint in town.
1: Yeah, Logan Elliott reached out to say the crew went to ML Rose... After the game, another reason to frequent M.L. Rose, you can add an impossible patty to any of the burgers. And I would like to comment on that, especially because, you know, I talk about having the Carolina sweets all the time. So I don't think I'm going to fool anyone if I say I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) But um, uh, in our household, we, we do try to keep it a little bit lighter on the meat. So. If you are such a person, you have the opportunity to not only order the exact same thing that you would get just just without the meat in it, essentially, um, but you but you can kind of you know mix and match and, and do some creative things at ML Rose as well. And it's it's a really kind of the, the breadth and depth there is is something that not a lot of places in town have.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think I'm in that same category, Tim. And that's an emerging market. If you talk to people in in food, you know, marketing and, and such. They'll tell you that there's this trend of, of, of quote unquote meatarians, and it's not you know, exclusively eat meat. It's that you know 80 percent of the time you're, you're probably going to have meat with your meal. But there's that 20 percent where you're trying to cut back, trying to be healthier. Maybe there's some principle behind it, but usually health driven. And um, ML Rose is there for you for sure. I mean. It's a burger joint. If you like meat, have at it. But you're not going to be left out if you are a vegetarian or like us and you want to cut back just a little bit. Uh, plenty of, of good options. I mean, I hope you're not offended by the side of what I'm going to do to the chicken wings in front of me uh, before I have <laughs> that Impossible Burger um, with, the, with the four times hot sauce, of course. So add a little... Uh, a little extra polish and heat to it. But no, that, I think that's a great point. Any of those burgers, there's great flexibility. And this is a place that's going to customize the experience to what you want, the beers you want, you know, meat or not on your burgers. Um, they're not going to just say, yeah, sorry, we can't do that. That's a pet peeve of mine, by the way, at a restaurant. We're like, can I substitute this or that? I only have one or two usually. And a place like, no, we can't do that. No, you physically can do that. And I'll pay the extra, whatever it takes to, to do that. <laughs> Wes out here do with
1: a $1,000 bill to have no pickles on his burger. <laughs>
0: Sweet pickles, yeah. No, I would pay a thousand bucks to take those off of a burger for sure. But it is it's a it's a place that I think the, the impossible patty you know situation there. I think is another example of how they're thoughtful. They're thinking about the people who are going to walk through the door. It's not you're lucky to be here. It's we're lucky to have you. Here's how we can we can serve you. And I, I expect a large crew. that's going to go to ML Rose on Sunday before kickoff. After kickoff, get there early, by the way, lots of concerts and cool fanfare going on, but all the better opportunity to go to ML Rose first, get prepped up, get hydrated uh, with water and beer. Yeah, I was going to say
1: hydrated and dehydrated uh, simultaneously a little bit. (laughs) That's right. I mean,
0: one water, one beer, you rotate that, you're in for a good day. And the bathrooms are plentiful at Jodas Park, so you can you can do that. Uh, tremendous burgers, great ambiance, uh, convenience to this new stadium in Jodas Park uh, coming up on day one here. As well as watch parties for every road match. Thank goodness we won't have many of those to talk about. The watch parties are great, but road matches I'm talking about. in uh, that large, diverse, locally driven craft beer list. When you think Nashville SC, when you think about our podcast, think about ML Rose and think about visiting there Sunday, either pre or lots of time post game as well. Let's head to our early shout. Mukhtar slips it through. Randall Leal out of the box. Leal's left-footed shot saved. The best chance of the night for Nashville SC. Tremendous vision from Hani Mukhtar to slip it through a gap about the width of the soccer ball to the foot of Leal, whose left-footed effort dragging toward the near post, expertly saved by the diving ball. In both matches before the trip to L.A., Nashville scored multiple goals on the road. The first time they've ever scored multiple goals in consecutive road matches in their club history, then they followed it up with one of the quietest attacking nights in club history. That Randall Leal chance heard on iHeartRadio was Nashville's only shot on target. Happened in the first half. Tim, what was the biggest factor, in your opinion, in, in this uh, relatively uh, low attacking performance? Was it road weariness? Was it a good Galaxy attack that kept things on their side of the pitch? Or was it a conservative tactical approach?
1: Yeah, it can be all of the above, right? I I hope so. It always can be. That's always your answer to these. I should learn. (laughs) A long road trip is, is a long road trip. You are going to be fatigued at this point in the season when you haven't had the opportunity to play at home. And then when you play a fairly even first half, it's reasonable to expect that the second half is going to be kind of similar. Um, it was not. And by the time it was clear that that was not going to be the case, it quickly snowballed on Nashville SC. And um, we'll talk about it in a little bit. I don't think there were subs that you were going to make to kind of slow down what L.A. was doing, nor to turn it around for yourself. It was just kind of one of those games where the Galaxy came out and played better soccer and, and Nashville didn't have time by the time that was obvious. Dare I say it was a match where Yonder Cadiz would
0: have probably gotten in uh, <laughs> okay, yes. As a target in <laughs> midfield versus the pong a little earlier. Wow. Um The strikers are always taller on the other side, I guess. Uh, Nashville's four total shots tied the lowest tally in club history, by the way, lower than any match last season, tied with the home win over Inter-Miami early in season one. Uh, Tim, three of those shots uh, of those four came in a pretty even first half in which Nashville looked somewhat expansive. It was a a back and forth match. L.A. owned possession, but they weren't bossing possession. And then in the second half, Nashville just looks spent. Uh, They absorbed 13 second-half shots from L.A. We mentioned they just took one of their own. And one big talking point after the match was that Gary Smith didn't make his first substitution until the 77th minute. You you referenced the sub patterns a minute ago. And that was when Anunga entered for Godoy, which is obviously a like-for-like situation, trying to shore things up defensively. Only three subs used on the night as well. I know you referenced it a minute ago, but but was that at all surprising to you? Uh, you know, Even if it's not the personnel, maybe the timing of when they came in. And, and do you think that was a factor in the loss?
1: I mean, it was. The, the problem is that there, there weren't solutions on the bench. I don't think making an earlier substitution was going to be the difference. The problem was that Nashville wasn't connecting passes. And yes, some of that is because they're tired. But is a tired? Anibal Godoy going to connect passes better than a, a fresh Brian Anunga? possibly so so I, I don't think necessarily that the answers were on the bench and I understand the frustration when a game kind of does start to snowball and you still are, are sitting here looking at your watch saying okay 77th minute let's get it going here but um, sometimes that's that's the way soccer <laughs> soccer happens especially yeah. on Lorette but you you do look at who could have been available to him
0: and wasn't uh in this particular night and I think that that's Definitely plays into why he made the decisions he did or didn't make the decisions he did. No, Dax McCarty. Congratulations
1: to Dax, by the way. Owen McCarty, second Owen, child. Owen, Owen
0: Dart. Dart. McCarty.
1: Yeah, Dart McCarty, the the former uh, Top Gun airman, which is Dax's dad. Uh, to the to people who don't know that, I did Paul not. Know that. wrote an incredible story about this in the Orlando Sentinel, like a decade ago. I'll look it up. We'll put. It, I'll. I'll send it uh, to us, and I'll. I'll put it in the in the yes, tweet when we put up please. this episode
0: as well. New content recommendation. I'm scrapping yeah, what I had. That, earlier. Oh,
1: ooh, ooh. Finally, is Tim going to have one that he doesn't come up with on this spot? It is. It is fair for yours to
0: claim since you, you brought it up just then. Uh, anyway, for, for a very, very good reason, his wife, Jen, giving birth, he was not available, bigger priorities, and we're thrilled for Dax and family. Uh, but there was also no Teal Bunbury. Obviously, he's been out for a few weeks. You wonder maybe if he gets in a little earlier, he can be a little more of a target guy than Aki Loba has proven to be. Not a match that was built for Aki to come in you know, early, uh, unless you've got somebody else who can be that target, and then he can go over the top. The fourth center back, by the way, Ahmed Longmire, uh, a rookie who probably wasn't ready for that moment. Maybe a healthy Josh Bauer comes in if he's available to shore things up. Probably not. Um, And maybe Taylor Washington's the one guy who I think could have injected some pace on the counter. His legs are tough to keep up with, but again, you're looking forward there, and I think Nashville was looking at its back end and trying to shore things up. So I don't think we can look at those sub-patterns in a vacuum like a lot of people are, without considering who was on the bench, and more importantly, Tim, who was not on the bench?
1: Yeah, like I said before, the solutions were not on the bench. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably should have read the rundown to make, to see that <laughs> there was a more specific uh, question. But uh, I know NSC fans are frustrated, and, and it is absolutely fair to be frustrated when your team goes out and lays an egg. But when you see who was available, there weren't guys who were going to come in and say, this is this is the answer to what is happening in this situation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, putting, like I already mentioned about Anunga, but similarly, a guy like Loba is going to make a bunch of high-risk, high-reward plays. That would have been exactly what LA Galaxy was trying to get you to do in that situation, wouldn't have been a solution either. There was a
0: moment that frustrated me with, with Loba, and it was um, after Nashville had conceded. Hani went down toward the end of the pitch, other end of the pitch, near side, um, in the final third, and he got hemmed in by a couple of guys, and Loba kind of sat at the top of the box, maybe 20, 30 (laughs) yards away, didn't come to help, didn't make himself available, and it was a chance if Hani had been able to switch field to somebody, Nashville perhaps could have had a Mm -hmm. pretty decent chance. Once again, I think he's still working his way into the chemistry of this group, and um, it was just... Another moment where you think, if that CJ Sapong, if he's fresh mm-hmm. still, which he, he'd gone a long way, maybe maybe it's different. Uh, it's just that extra body. And,
1: and to be to be fair to our, our consistent low question askers. If Loba had gotten more minutes in the previous seven games, maybe CJ has, has the legs maybe. in him to go a, a couple more minutes in this one,
0: too. Maybe. I think that's that's a very valid point. Um, hey, U.S. Open Cup's coming. Maybe that's Ake Loba's hour <laughs> against a, an Atlanta United back line that's not been good at full strength and will probably be rotated. Uh, Gold Nuggets, let's get into some historical perspective and maybe some happier news here. Now that the road trip is over, how does it compare to those other extended season opening road trips in MLS history? I've told you for two consecutive weeks now that Nashville had already set the best... Points per game mark, no matter what happened against San Jose and LA Galaxy, they end up with 1.38 points per game on the road in these first eight. That does compare favorably to the second best ever, three years ago, Portland, at 1.17 points per game. What happened to that Portland team? They didn't win until match seven of their 12 game road trip, (laughs) and they ended up advancing to MLS Cup anyway. uh, SKC can provide a similar nice story. Just six points in their 10 matches to start the year away from home. And CJ Sapong's rookie of the year performance ended up driving them all the way to the conference final in spite of that. Austin last year. CJ with
1: a tight fade, too.
0: That's right. It was looking pretty <laughs> sweet. Pretty sweet. Um, i get
1: more now. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> as a broadcaster, I very much like it. It yeah, makes it yeah. very yeah. easy you, to identify. Yeah. It's great. Um, Austin last year, of course, not as happy of an ending. Actually, a pretty decent nice. start to their expansion uh run eight points in eight matches, but they didn't win another road match all season after that. So they learned nothing from those couple early wins they got. So, uh, you know, Tim, mixed results here. uh, But I think the the lesson we can take away is number one, Nashville is historically good. and, And that context is important for those who are probably frustrated with one point in the final two. Number two is that teams who have done much worse in this situation have turned around and ended up having borderline historic seasons. And that is still absolutely then on the table for Nashville.
1: It's something to be said for for finding a groove and riding the wave into the postseason, I think that's part of what you see these teams do is when they have a lot of home games and it's kind of a one-off away game here and there because they've taken care of most of their away schedule early in the year, you get into a rhythm. I, I would say Columbus, which which switched to a home stadium, a new home stadium. Is, is, is like one of the very few teams that hasn't been able to kind of capture that momentum mm-hmm. in the way when their new stadium opens. And, and Nashville feels like a team that's been always been good at home and, and has the opportunity to continue it again. When you look at what they did last year, it was almost the opposite. They had a front-loaded a home schedule because uh, I, I think MLS wanted to make sure they could get fans into stadiums at the beginning of last season, <laughs> and, and Tennessee was a state that was going to be amenable to that. But they kind of limped to the finish, not not terribly, but limped to the finish a little bit, and it might have cost them a home playoff game against Philly. And given the way that played out, might have cost them one more round in the playoffs because they lost that game in penalties.
0: So we can compare then this year's road mark so far to what they did all of last year and, and talk a little more about that approach. Uh, 1.38 points per game again so far on the road in these first eight in a row. Their rate all of last season on the road, 1.24 points per game and of course that was good enough combined with an unbeaten home record to help them tie for second in the east on points. Uh, and in fact if you compared, you know, how this road points per game would stack up across the league compared to last season all of last season, this current road points per game of 1.38 would have been the fifth best road clip in MLS last year. So anyone who's frustrated by the LA loss, hey, we're going to we're going to be in that boat too. Anybody who's panicking after the LA loss shouldn't
1: the game was not super great. Right. <laughs> but when you look no. at it in any sort of context, not only is it at a road game at one of the better teams in the West, it is the eighth road game in nine weeks with a bye week in there for everybody, except for Walker Zimmerman and Anibal Godoy. So it's understandable to to have that poor game. But when you look at what it means in the big picture, um, Nashville was trying to scrape out a draw and, and almost did so successfully because you're playing with house money there. If you get that 12th point, you feel a lot better than, than, you know, I guess being a little bit more risky going for the win and ending up with a loss, but um, you know, you get the loss either way. It still, it still counts for zero points in the standings, but in the broader context, I think, Historically good, I guess, from a technical perspective, but certainly they've done the work enough to put themselves in position to succeed the rest of the year. And they've been brighter on the road this year in these eight, for the most part,
0: LA second half, certainly not included, uh, than they were (laughs) last year. Um, Eight goals in their first eight road matches, not going to raise any uh, alarm bells of any defenders throughout the league when you look at that rate, but it is an improvement over the six goals Nashville scored in its first eight last year. XG, a little better indicator even, last year just 6.5 XG in those first eight away from home 9.3 expected goals for nashville also uh, shots on target up by about 33 percent too and again relatively small sample size small sample size podcast uh <laughs> nonetheless if, if you're looking to compare those first state this year with first date last year favorable all around in terms of nashville being a little more open a little more assertive away from home with certain very notable
1: exceptions yeah all of that uh, improvement success etc and Honey Mukhtar only scored twice, and, yeah. and both of them came in the penultimate game of the trip. And the offense, it felt like the offense was leaving a lot of juice in the orange there in, in several situations. I think San Jose was obviously an obvious one there, but there were a couple games where it felt like there were, the attack was creating a little bit more than it was getting rewarded for. And when you look at that and say, hey, hey, they might've even been even, even more. <laughs> there might've been even more for them and they didn't quite capitalize on it when they have the opportunity to get into that rhythm that I mentioned and, and get a few home games to, to, you know, become a team that only pops out onto the road for one match and, and then comes back home. You really have the opportunity to, to even get more out of this.
0: Yeah. I think the key now is to, to maintain that front footed approach. The extent this team can shake off the cobwebs from Carson and just the four shots all night. And, and to be that team that Nashville was in Kansas City, um, you know, in uh, in Salt Lake at times. and It was a loss, but they were the better team in that one. The, the, honestly, the team they were about half the time uh, and, and be more aggressive. So that's my question for you now. How hard is it to, to, to get past what happened in California to overcome legs that will still be very tired? Uh, the team got home at 530 in the morning, I believe, off that plane. And, and you know, they have an extra day to prep, but that's always going to be tough to recover from. Has Gary Smith put this team in a tactical position to continue this attacking mindset at home to start off this run, or should we expect them to have to take some time to settle in?
1: They're going to go out and get it. They're going to try at least whether or not that happens. It could backfire in the first game. Philly's a pretty good team. We're about to talk about them in a second. This is a good team. If you don't play well against them, whether that's because your approach is wrong or because you are tired, Uh, you, you might not win, but Nashville is not going to set foot on Geodas parks, pristine turf and say, okay, let's go out and, and try and scrape out a draw. See what happens here.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to be going certainly for a win in front of the home fans against Philly, taking them on Sunday, debut game, Jodas Park. Do you know, by the way, that Nashville is playing its first home game this weekend? Were you aware of that? Um, no, I hadn't heard. I haven't really paid much attention to any of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, Philly, top of the East. It's a great team to have coming in. You've got storylines. You've got a good team. They're up by three points over second place in the East after losing just once in their first eight, as Tim, this club looks to be. A title contender again this year. Also don't need to remind our listeners they were a game away from the title after beating Nashville in the conference semis last season.
1: They're finding the results so far this year. What is interesting to me is that they're doing it very differently than they have in the past couple years. Mm. They've gone from kind of a press and possess style. um, I don't want to say like a man city, but kind of that philosophy. Or like a Liverpool, they both kind of want to both press you and possess the ball. Now they're, they've pretty much gone full Red Bull. They have no regard for holding on to the Rock at all. They're on pace to set records for passing inefficiency. Mm-hmm. They're completing only 66.1% of their passes, which is actually worse than Red Bulls so far wow, this year. So this is a, a team that has gone from wanting possession to probably just not having the players who can do it. So Jim Curtin is a smart guy and says, <laughs> let's go out and harass the opponent in his turnovers and, and get our goals that way. And to his credit, it has been the right button to push so far this year
0: and that that's going to be a tough system to face if you compare it to what red bulls do nashville of course lost on the road at new york the first time they saw that system and uh, and drew on uh, on decision day with red bulls last year it's just it's tough you can't have a lot of cohesion but If in that press you can beat it over the top, you're going to have some chances on the other end. And Montreal saw that in a 1-1 draw against Philly. That was Philly's most recent result. Alistair Johnston, by the way, a secondary assist, his third assist in as many matches for Montreal. Uh, So Philly actually now winless in two. They had that 1-1 draw with Montreal, and they lost at Toronto the week before that. But they do have road wins against Montreal, and notably a, a clean sheet road win over NYCFC. I don't care that NYCFC was rotating during CCL, that's still impressive um, t- to beat those guys uh, they're so ferocious at home and in fact they do have the best defense in the league uh, Tim allowing just 0.62 goals per match and already four clean sheets in those first nine
1: a lot of that success is to be fair Andre Blake um I don't think it ma- I don't think it matters whether it's the goalkeeper because Nashville will be facing the goalkeeper anyway he's a he's a really he does plan to of be that. there yeah they're they're protecting him in in the ways that teams protect a really good keeper, which is they're going to bust up plays with their center backs kind of at the last moment at times. If if you get through that press, they're going to do some scrambling. But Blake is is good enough that if the ball gets through, he's going to be able to save it more often than not. And it's kind of marrying the style with the player that you have between the pipes. And that's, again, Curtin pushing the right buttons and making the right moves and, and to his, you know, f- great fortune having the right player there too. Curtin is pulling the right blinds. <laughs> <laughs> no no that was, that was shady
0: sorry <laughs> i do want to correct a misstatement i would said nine matches a minute ago they've just played eight uh, so far this year but they played one notable one last year up in philly against nashville of course um uh, the the, uh, the draw slash pk loss for nashville in the playoffs so the teams were one one and one in three meetings last year neither team scored multiple goals in any of those matches and this one i would expect it to be tight and the way Nashville season ended last year adds yet another enriching storyline. I almost wish Nashville were playing somebody random, right? Like so mm-hmm. like playing a playing a Toronto or playing a you know now I can't think of random teams.
1: No, not 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 random. I wish they were playing somebody bad. And that means Cincinnati. But- <laughs> yes, <does>. Yeah, well <laughs> but, but, but that, that. that's there are storylines with that too. Of course, Nashville and Cincinnati have a lot of history, but yeah, you you mentioned the the series against Philly last year. This is like a Willis Blake, which sounds a lot like a a weird like heavyweight matchup already, just based on the name. But <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a matchup of elite goalies. I would say that yeah. Joe Willis maybe hasn't quite been that at all times this season, but he is that to me in this mm-hmm. league right now, and it's it's going to be incredible. Hopefully, the the teams in front of them. At least make them work a lot. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's it's going to be a lot of people going home from Geodas Park a little less excited.
0: Hey, man, I, I I think this one's decided by one goal or it's a draw. I know that's not a revolutionary opinion. The point <laughs> I was making too is this matchup was going to be huge regardless, even if it's in the middle mm-hmm. of August. And so you almost kind of exactly. wish it was a minor opponent yeah. just because it was going it's going to be a special day, of course, on May first, but uh, doubly special because of who it is and, and a special day too off the field. Uh, we we want to encourage folks to get there early. Get your feel for the parking situation, Oregon park in Melrose and, and walk over from there. Uh, concerts are going to be starting outside the stadium at noon. It's going to be a festival with multiple stages, a couple of entrances, plus the main fan plaza. Great chance to get to know that space. Pre-game concert by Breland, the national anthem from um, Jason Fitz, a sports talk host who is also a violinist. Uh, so I think it's a good chance for 30,000 people to sing along with, with, uh, with Fitz. It's going to be really cool. A guitar riff from Styx's Tommy Shaw. Yeah. Judah, the lion post game. Tim, any of these you're looking forward to the most?
1: Yeah. It brings me no pleasure to report that I'm unironically a big sticks fan. Like my dad, like kind of just imbued that in me when I was a child. And I, as a dad myself have, have now embraced it even more than ever before. (laughs) So yeah, I'm looking forward to Tommy Shaw. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I. That I'm, I'm too embarrassed pleasure. to continue talking.
0: No, I'm with you. I love sticks. I, I am all about it, man. Renegade, like the the first oh, little harmony there. You and my dad, great it's friends. Be going, man. Actually, you, you know,
1: and my dad would be great friends, Wes. Just so you know,
0: <laughs> he he likes the good jokes too. He's got a great sense of humor as well. It seems like, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, if Peter Crouch were here, he'd be doing the Mr. Roboto goal celebration, of course. <laughs> uh, but we all hope we can we can come sail away this weekend. For those who have too much time on their hands there you
1: go oh God, man, did you write these down this is incredible
0: i did open the uh the spotify um uh, <laughs> playlist just to make sure i had the, the key ones named but Renegade's the one that always just comes to my mind in my heart it's gonna be great i can't wait well, uh, lady so-
1: 95.
0: <laughs> uh, this is what happens when we record this late at night by the way we we get we get a little a little weird um all right so speaking of getting weird no, that's actually not a good segue because ML Rose is anything but weird. It's just good. It's just good. You can get weird in ML Rose if you want to, I guess. They'll still welcome you. Just keep it within, within the navigational beacons. Um, it, it's, it's just going to be an awesome place, Tim, to, um, to gather as a community. And it's fun because we've seen people send us tweets as part of mailbag questions or just totally unsolicited with their pictures of them taking their family and friends or going to watch parties. And maybe these folks are also longtime diners like you and I. Chances are. Hey, good people know about good things. And then has been a good thing here for a long time. I like to think that maybe we've had a role, though, and at least a couple people <laughs> discovering this place. And I can't wait to discover it with some of these folks. Sit down, have a beer, have a burger after a game. Uh, maybe as soon as Sunday. It's going to be a really, really cool place for this community to gather.
1: Yeah, we talk a lot about their food. We talk a lot about their beer. I think... I talk more about the beer than the food, but both are excellent. But <laughs> I think the community aspect is something that we're, that we're really excited about because they've chosen to be part of our club and country community. And we want to repay them for that by making them part of it uh, to us as well. So that's something that um, we're, we're really looking forward to not just going there and, and having um, an animal burger and not just having Carolina sweets. But we're looking forward to hanging out with people that we know that you know want to make ML Rose, a great soccer space. We want to make ML Rose a space for for fans of the podcast to hang out and, and meet their heroes, you and I. When I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> keep it going, keep it going. Beautiful.
0: Oh man, what do we even do from here? Um, <laughs> sweet Madame Blue, what are we gonna do? Um, so. Just a, a little bit of uh, familiarization with the area as well. So you know, most folks are going to be getting off at, at Wedgwood, I would say, to go to the stadium. Um, if you're not completely familiar with well, where M.L. Rose is, just get off the other direction on Wedgwood. Hook up with 8th Avenue, that first intersection there. Take a left, and you're just a couple blocks away down the hill uh, from, from M.L. Rose. You can also take the, the back road, then Craighead, to get to the stadium or walk it. Uh, it's it's really convenient, and again, I, I don't think it's a bad recommendation to consider You know, putting your car there before the game, having a couple drinks, and if you have said extra drink, just walk all over to the stadium. And maybe the folks at morrows are going to yell at us if they end up with 500 cars in the parking lot <laughs> that aren't currently eating there. So be sure you eat there beforehand or afterward, or both. Definitely both. Um, and, and again, get to the stadium. Yeah, have a couple l-
1: beers afterward and leave the car there overnight. This is not... This advice... <laughs> not <laughs> that's not a good approved, part of I the
0: advice Cooper. actually if you have more than a couple beers after do leave the car overnight uber is your friend uh for sure and they would encourage you to do that as well i think uh but uh, get to the stadium early and that means brunch at ml rose man sunday sunday mm-hmm. yeah get there around 11 walk over to the stadium around noonish take in the festival and then cap off a nashville sc win with an animal burger some carolina sweets or maybe maybe an impossible burger um, live the impossible dream. You can do it, just like soccer in Nashville once was. All right. Speaking of of impossible dreams, that is what Eddie Carvacho lived, coming to the United States from Chile. He tells his life story pretty much, his soccer story, and then gets into Nashville's soccer story and what's going to happen on the pitch on Sunday. Eddie is the color commentator for Nashville SC on radio. It is a pleasure. It is a privilege to work with him every week. Uh, We've worked together for the better part of the last half decade, starting in that first season in USL. Uh, Not going to even give you any more because he gives you everything you need. Here is our conversation with Eddie Carvaccio. Well, Eddie Carvacho is the color analyst for Nashville SC's radio broadcasts, but it is one of many hats that he has worn throughout his soccer life. He is the uh, the head of the uh, Tennessee United Soccer Club. He has been a goalkeeper in professional soccer in Nashville, a goalkeeper's coach at the MLS level, a multicultural marketer uh, and consultant. He has done just about everything. Eddie, did I get all that right, and what did I miss?
2: Uh, no, you did a fantastic job <laughs> in the opening. So, uh, what do you miss? I do a crazy Elmo voice, but that—that's—that that's <laughs> yeah.
0: would get you kicked off the podcast real fast. Yeah. So we'll yeah. move on. And, and maybe the radio broadcast. Just because we have
1: high standards for Elmo voices, that's the only <laughs> yeah. reason. why. No Elmo, no
0: Elmo voice. Man. Well, Eddie, you and I have worked together now, gosh, for, for the better part of five years on and off in, in the radio booth. First for Nashville SC in USL. You had another role, actually, as, as a, uh, a match analyst for the last couple of years uh, for MLS, at working Nashville SC matches. Now you're back right. in the booth with me, and I thought it was a great chance for our audience to get to know you a little bit, and for some to get to know you a little bit better. So before we talk about Nashville SC this year, before we talk about the new stadium, just tell us your soccer story. How'd you get to where you are now?
2: Well, thank you, first of all, for, for having me. I think it's a great opportunity um, just to, as you mentioned, you know, get a chance to not only fans to get to know a little bit of my background and what could I bring to a radio broadcast, but also um, to your point, a little bit of a perspective, you know, and, uh, and get to know the fans too. It's a it's uh, it's it's an incredible ride. It's been an incredible ride. I came here in 1995. My wife and I actually met in college. My wife played basketball. I played soccer at the University of South Alabama, and um and, uh, and I had just um and, and then of course the plan was always to move home. Uh, she's a born and raised in Nashville. So in 1995 we got married and I made home. I make Nashville our home so um obviously with a background in the game uh grew up in chile born in the u.s raised in chile came back when i was 19 with a 500 in my pocket a one-way ticket that my dad bought so basically you're not coming back (laughs)
1: um
2: i had to make it on my own man and so i was coming where i grew up in chile soccer is everything obviously and uh i was able to really um, I was pretty tall. I'm six foot three. So for a Chilean, uh, that, that, that is not normal. And um, But I was a goalkeeper and I was part of the youth pro- program of a professional team, kind of a hometown team per se. And um, so at 18 years old, uh, 17, 18, I get moved into the first team. And that's when I realized, wow, okay, maybe I do have something here and Maybe I do, but I was the fourth goalkeeper because obviously I'm the young guy. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I am the guy playing the U twenty, U nineteen goalkeeper. But it was a great experience. But I always had this vision that I wanted to uh, migrate back to the U S. to my country. So, because I figured the land of opportunities, you know. And um, so, the good news is that all I needed was to renew my U S. passport. And I was able to come to the U.S. So I did that when I was 19. Like I mentioned, one-way ticket, 500 miles. I land in Miami. And uh, my dad has sent me up with one of his old friends. They pick me up at the airport and they put me in this apartment with seven other guys. And it was like, okay, this is America, right? So you start living the dream in a way and uh, at a young age. So fast forward, you know, um, I meet some people in Miami and playing in the adult leagues, but my goal was always like, oh, my God, I want to play professional in the U.S. That's what I want to do. And, of course, when I get here, I come to a point where the the NASL had died. I came here in 86, back to the U.S., dead. There's a gap. There's nowhere to go. And one of the guys that I was playing in the adult leagues in Miami said, hey, why don't you play college? Like, what is that? Well, go play college soccer. <laughs> like, are you serious? Can I? Oh, by the way, when I came to the U.S., I couldn't speak English. So I'm like, oh, how do I get through that? You know, it's like, well, anyway, long story short, um, South Alabama is a Division One school. We were really, really good in the 80s and the late 80s and 90s, uh, Division Top 20. A lot of Icelandic players and great teammates and all that. And then I walked on. And here's this guy who couldn't speak English with an Irish coach. Uh, it, it, which I couldn't understand what he was saying, but I only had to <laughs> one word, and I said it's scholarship. That's the only word I knew. Um, and it's it, 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 yes, just a lot of faith and hope. And then next thing you know, I am now playing, and I have a very good career. I was an All-American. I was invited to the U.S. national team in the 90s under Bob Gansler, and later Bora Milotinovic calls me out, calls me into the camp as well. The days of Tony Miola, uh, Casey Keller, uh, goalkeeping, right, in, in that early, uh, late, early 90s for the 1990, Dave Vanoli, um, some great names and good people. And um, so, again, I was always kind of part of that group. Unfortunately, never got, never broke into a game. I did sit on the bench in the game of U.S. versus Jamaica in North Carolina with Mark Dodd actually played a game. He didn't get to play. My gosh, I just wanted one cap. That's all I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah. get it. So, Uh, But then again, if you look at at the history, the trajectory of soccer in America, you're talking about that back then college soccer was basically the only thing you could do. I mean, you look at the 1990 World Cup and three quarters of that team was made out of or even leading into the 1994 World Cup because they kept saying, hey, FIFA had mandated to U.S. soccer that they needed to have a professional league. And so 90, 91, 92, okay, just hang in there, hang in there. It's going to come, it's going to come. The league never came in 93. World Cup now is 94. That roster, three-quarters of that roster were former college my age, falling college like Marcelo Valvoa, Eric I mean, uh, Tom Ramos, and you go on and on, right? And um, where those guys were hired by the federation, and uh, to give them like 35, 40,000. So they could have full-time players because there was nowhere to play. And there were tour anyway, 94 comes still no MLS. It was not until 96. The MLS starts, right? So I'm part of that generation of, and I hate to say them. I don't know if that's a lost generation, but my goodness, if I was in the fourth, fifth, sixth goalkeeper into this pool of goalkeepers for the national team, I got to believe that if there wasn't MLS, I would have had a team to play, you know? And, uh, so again, that's kind of a little bit of my background and the story and how all this starts and how do I get so much involved in the game and obviously, now it's '95. I I, I well, shoot. I got. I couldn't wait for the league anymore. I had to go get a job. Come on, let's go. Now
0: remember, <laughs> I'm still
2: on my own here. Mom and dad are not here. They're still in Chile. So now I'm out of college, graduate, marketing international business degree, the first one in my family to graduate from college, and I'm in the U.S. and I'm like where's home well home is where my at that point my or my wife now was nashville so in 95 got tired of waiting for the league get a real job we move in and then that's how i get started again and i love the game so much that i quit my job and start my own coaching career uh youth side and being a trainer in summer camps and, and really get involved in it and a little bit of um if you ask some of the people of my age been here for a long time i was a little bit ahead of time I was somewhat of a trailblazer because I had an A license, the highest license at that time on U.S. soccer. So I also, again, very immersed on that. And now the immersion in Nashville, 95 and, uh, you know, 6, 97, 98. Then I go on into college to at Clemson. I uh, was an assistant coach. But it, the plan was always coming to try to come back home. So in 2017, um
0: It was time to come back home and I've been here since. And as part of that journey, you spent some time in MLS as a, as a goalkeeper's coach, as a member of the front office. I think you were actually on the FC Dallas side of things at the uh, MLS Cup that Gary Smith won, right? Back in, yes. in 2010. Uh, yeah. With Columbus as well, you were sharing your stories of, of being at MLS Cup uh, out in L.A. and Carson, of course, where Nashville City yes. was this past weekend. What yeah. what has that experience brought you as you now are in the broadcast booth and are understanding? But every time we talk, you know, we were talking about D.C. United and, and Chad Ashton. Uh, Daddy, you know. Yeah interim and you're I like oh yeah i played with him in colorado like yeah. it, it seems like you've you, you know if you don't know the person you're a, a degree of separation away from knowing the person right. in mls how has that helped you in in the broadcast booth and in your academy coaching career
2: well i, I think it right in you just mentioned it's, it's uh, the soccer community it's so, so tight so you know only a few degrees separate it's like kevin bacon thing right you're only a six degree of separation and you can know anyone right and you'll get to the destination um no, it's been it's been very rewarding right um, you mentioned MLS so after college collegiate uh, coaching um, or while I was coaching I, I went back into the U side and then I get a call up by a very good friend at that point Greg Andrulis. Uh, Greg was the interim head coach of the Columbus crew at that point point. Um, they had uh, fired uh, Tom Fitzgerald with rest in peace. Tom was, he was one of the first initial coaches in this league, uh, successful and down in Tampa, university of Tampa. And they said, Hey, listen, I'm looking for a goalkeeper coach. I've known you for so many years. So I trust. I know you, you, you're you so much knowledge and, and I'd love to have you on the staff. And I'm like, I'm there tomorrow. Let's go. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I moved to Columbus with my family and um, be part of the coaching staff and, in, 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 a, in a very different time, uh, you know, Columbus was the very first soccer-specific stadium. And if you, if you ever been there, it's a glorified high school stadium, but it, it has so, in terms of infrastructure. And of course, mm-hmm. I compare it to Gothis Park that day. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, all right, <laughs> here's the upscale side of it, you know, of town. But it, it, again, but that's the evolution of this league. This league has evolved so much um, from the players. Needless to say, from compensation, coaching staff, I oh got so many stories about, you know, the things that we went through and how this has evolved. So I think it's been uh, it, it's been a, a great journey. How does that help me with the broadcast is that I think I bring a perspective. You know, I bring that coach side perspective, um, insights on how maybe the locker room, how players um, what the what do front office go through the management mm-hmm. side of things? you know there's a lot of things that behind the scenes that, uh needless to say you know we have a, a structure a milestone uh, uh, a land um landmark like a brand new stadium in Nashville but my goodness there's so much behind that so much heritage and so much story and you know and I don't want to you know, you mentioned we were talking the other day and I, when I went to the stadium, I got a little teared, you know, and I'm like, wow, I got this feeling when I walked in and I see the stadium and I'm like, and right away I went back into, when I played in Nashville down at Ezell Park.
1: Um, a <laughs> little
2: different. Know, with, the jail, with the jail right on top of the hill, you know, look at how we were trained or playing or when we had to, we were at one point at Tennessee rhythm because mm-hmm. there were some issues with the metros and the name and the ownership and, but big shout-out to Lynn Agee and, uh, you know, the Vendor Sundu, man. Those guys grabbed the bull by their horn, and they wanted to provide some kind of an experience. There's a lot of guys in town. Many people move from out of town to play for that group in those years, and they stay. They're still around. Maybe their fans are going, they're going to be there this weekend, you know. And uh, But that those initials, it gives you so much perspective, and that's what I try to do in the broadcast is to compare those things a little bit of the history and how things are today and not to get too high on the wins, not to get too low in the losses, but to bring everything that we're this soccer is in this country in terms of a foothold, but also locally now, the value of having this professional league and so proud, man. It's just, it was, it's, it's, an, it's been amazing just that you have the illusion of the game. So I, I want to share that with as many people as possible.
1: When you look at where soccer has been, not just in Nashville playing at Zell Park, now yeah. they're playing in a thirty thousand seat stadium this weekend, gotcha. but around the country too. You know, you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, when MLS was a young league, you basically knew everybody in the league practically, and nowadays. Yeah. There are so many different pathways for, for either young players or for guys coming into the league from abroad in different ways than there have ever been before. How much have you kind of, I guess, had a front row seat to seeing the way not just the league, but the game has grown in this country?
2: Oh, amazing. Yes, tremendous. I mean, think about it. I, I've The way how I got to the national team back in the early 90s, it was through college. Mm-hmm. I had an amazing third, my junior year, I mean, point, whatever. And I was like, All-American and, uh, you know, got my team into, you know, similar to how, you know, you view any other collegiate sport like basketball, Mm -hmm. the impact of football and basketball into the professional. But it was such a weird feeling because it didn't matter how well you did because it was nothing, unless you went overseas, and many of the guys into that, you know, 98-2002 World Cup were American players who actually went abroad, right, if you look at it. So if you wanted to grow and if you wanted to have a, you know, somewhat of an environment conducive for professional growth, it had to be overseas. Well, if you didn't have that opportunity, or if you're not like that very top elite part of the pyramid, that you could get a work permit back then, uh, or you had a relative, a grandfather, a father who was, they to give a national passport, that was it. Today, look at today. Look what FC Dallas, and I use FC Dallas because I work for FC Dallas and I see, you know, I've seen it and, and, and I shared across my office was across of Oscar Pareja, Oscar, now current coach of Orlando City. He was the brains or he was the first guy to really get this academy system where now the ownership can, I mean, how much money has Dan Hunt and the FC Dallas ownership gotten just selling players from the academy. Just Pepe's just the last one for 20 mm-hmm. million. But we were just doing the math the other day. Is it a 40 or 50 million, probably?
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and transfers. So again, the, the, the progression of that, uh, the quality of coaching, the emphasis, the professionalism. But it everything started really the day that American soccer went from pay to play to Fully funded. Once now you started to get this MLS clubs, or a lot of the clubs get into the the, the where the club would actually pay for everything. You started to now really focus, and, it's, and this is something. My son, I have a 25 year old son who plays professional basketball in Europe, who started playing soccer. And him and I, we were looking at the national team game several months or a couple of weeks ago. That, and and all of a sudden, we look around and we go. Look how awesome to see so many African-American players in the national team roster. Look at the diversity of, 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 of our national team. Again, not want to go into it, is that this is not a racial thing. I'm just comparing my 1990-94 World Cup when we had a few Hispanics and maybe Desmond Armstrong, you know, an African-American here and there, Kobe Jones, to where now we were looking at the starting lineup. And against Panama, it's like, my goodness, it was ninety percent, right? Close to ninety uh, uh, and I think that is the future of America. Continue the diversity and bringing more players into it. And and I think that's been possible because of the uh of the efforts done at the urban uh in outreach and in the community outreach. And but also the game has grown so much that now it's hip, right? It's a cultural <laughs> thing okay. too. Yeah. You know? Uh you know. the exposure of media where now they can see a Messi, they can see a Ronaldo. These kids grew up watching the best of the best every weekend and hearing that they can pay two, three, four, five million dollars a year, ten million dollars a year. Um, If you play in the EPL with wages of $150,000 a week. Like, whoa, okay. That's hip. That's cool. (laughs) So, uh, it's, 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 it's been really Uh, 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 an amazing uh, journey just to see all that develop.
0: You were a part of that growth process of the game in the U.S., and now you've been a party to Nashville SC doing the same at the local level here, starting in USL, building this MLS club, now building an academy to support that. And So I'm wondering now, as you're seeing where this club is in year three of its growth project in Major League Soccer, Is this team one that you think is built to compete for a championship this year? And what is it going to take on the pitch for it to get to where I don't think anybody expected it would already be here in year three, but where it would like to go?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think you and I bounced off a little bit during our broadcast. And even this past game, you know, I was trying to find something and I was before the game and, you know, during the week as we prepare for the game. And, and you actually call it out that I was, I was very bullish what I said, but I, I, I felt like if, you know, Nashville, for example, I was trying to encapsulate what this eight games would feel like from ex- externally, right? Um, if, if, if they would have won, get another three points. Now it's Nashville, the team to beat, right? Remember I brought that up and you're like, whoa, that's, that's, that's kind of strong. It's like, well, if you go on the road, and you just put the stake and you go like, Hey, you know that fear from the from the home like oh no man we're playing nashville and all that um uh it's, it's it's a good question um i think obviously they are competitive and they will continue to be competitive but i feel right now where they are and their uh birth and where they are right now it's still somewhat for me somewhat of a, a lot of unknowns it's, it's the inconsistency it's almost like you know a child right uh can't expect to be very mature when you're six years old you know uh, well you gotta make mature decisions but that i'm only five you know it's that mentality that but i wonder so bad because you you have shown to me that you have made some good decisions yeah but i'm still a kid you know so it's that mentality also right, as you and, and i think it's a work in progress um you know i still argue that maybe 11 points Oh, everybody's like, great. Yeah, great when, when you look at it. But man, we left points on the table. You know, we, 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 there's some games like, what if we had 15 points? Does that now sense a different tone to the league? Because it changes psychologically, that coaching staff, those players, knowing that, oh my gosh, we're playing Nashville. And that's the little edge. We all know that the margin of error in this league is so thin. Um, and you're always looking for that extra edge. So we're talking about edge is it time for Nashville to really establish themselves as that consistent competitor winner you're playing in your face. You know, are we two DP players away? You know, uh, it's the quality. I think Mike has done, Mike Jackson has done a fantastic job of assembling this team in such a short amount of time and being competitive right away. Um, and, and, and I know I'm calling a little bit about the consistency. They have been consistent since they've been in MLS. But to take that step, right, to be that step up, um, it needs just and, – and we all know, it, it needs to probably those two or three more experienced guys that you can count in, in and out, and not hope that maybe they have a good game or hope that they're going to go through a good stretch, although players go through up and downs, and we all know that. Um, But just when you when they look at it, not just on paper, like, you know, teams on the other side going that terrified feeling of like we're going to get sucked in. We're going to get, you know, like choked up and, you know, we got to find a different way to win this. Um, And and I think Nashville's ahead in that way.
1: When you guys look at who the opponent is going to be this weekend, Philadelphia Union, one of the most consistent clubs in this league, uh, set a points record just a couple of years ago. Do you think they have the opportunity to send a message to the league, you know, Absolutely. as they open the park? Or is it is it OK, you know, inaugural game, whatever they do, it's it's going to kind of have that. OK, maybe they got the bonus from that kind of first game atmosphere.
2: Well, I, and I think, you know, it, it, it goes back to our fan base. <laughs> you know, I've you know, I have to do a better job of getting to social media. And I was talking to Wes about that and, and I'm trying to figure out who to kind of list. I think, you know, now that I'm in the radio and, you know, there's people following and I got to, you know, the fact that I went on, on on Twitter just a little bit the other night and then there was some feeling or there was some sentiment from fans that maybe Gary Smith should be fired. You know, <laughs> you know like, wow, okay. Come on. Like, ah, wow, okay. I, I understand you may not like the style you may be – uh, sometimes, and obviously that, you know, they came in L.A. was not the best, you know, reflection. Uh, and that, again, mm-hmm. shows a little bit of that, what what do I expect as a fan? And I think it comes down to that, right? Uh, for this weekend, I think there is going to be so many fans are going to be just embracing the moment. It's a historical moment for the franchise, for the city of Nashville. Um, it's It's how many of the fans are just going to go like, hey, the result is secondary. I just want to soak in everything. But we all know that we have the, our great hardcore fans that it's all about, you know, got to get the W and the three points, and we're at home, and what a great opportunity. Because one of the things that you look from a point system, shoot, you're at home. You're supposed to win your home games. Uh, but because you have a little bit of this savings account, you have these extra points that you got when you – you know, in this road trip, uh, can you afford uh, to kind of okay give a couple points away this weekend? It's a tie, uh, but then again, it's is that you know Vanderbilt homecoming playing Alabama. You know, <laughs> uh, is that the same? Probably not. It's not the same feeling. Uh, but uh, they're going to be fans are going to be just happy with you know being in the moment, being historical being in the first open and it's a lot of new fans in this town people have moved over the mm-hmm. years so um it's just a matter of perspective and um uh, it, it again but to your point to your question getting a win against philadelphia you're getting closer to again to what mm-hmm. i said last week in, in, in the broadcast Is Nashville, the team to beat and and, and i think that is not added pressure. I think all our players are all professionals, they're mature, they know what they want. Um that swag, that edge is what moves teams just a not, you know, you when, when people get ready to play Manchester City or, you know, like oof, okay. You know, I'm not suggesting we are or we should be Manchester City, but it's a feeling. It's a it's a statement And this in a win on this weekend, it can set that statement to the league.
0: Better to be Manchester City than to be Vanderbilt, to work with your two, uh, two analogies you worked <laughs> in right there. It'll be different than a Vanderbilt game, by the way, because it's going to be a full stadium. So that's uh, one distinction I can make right there. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee grad. Hey, but they're getting, right they're growing. They're growing. It's, they, it's, that's hey, true. by the
2: way, kudos to uh, Vanderbilt Athletic.
0: Uh, they're adding women's volleyball. Good job. Well, oh, that's done. great to hear. And, of course, near yes. and dear to your heart, since your daughter is a volleyball player at, at UVA.
2: That's correct. Um, well
0: that, done. That, where are all with you. So we'll close out with, with, uh, I want, I want you to, to go a little deeper into something you expressed earlier. Uh, you and I were walking through the stadium together on your first yeah. visit to the Finnish facility here recently, and you were getting choked up as you referenced, uh, seeing where Nashville soccer has come from the Nashville metros days and playing at Ezell park. And now when you're in that stadium on Sunday, what will your thought process be as thirty thousand fans sing the club anthem and open this place? You know, and and what does it say for the future of soccer in Nashville that Jonas Park, thirty thousand seats, exists right in the heart of this town?
2: I mean, it's it's everything, right? It's everything. If you're a soccer fan, if you're a purist of the game, and if you have any kind of background, and like I do, you know, coming like again, you use East Park, and I even. We, we play some games down in a high school down in Franklin but in the old Franklin you know when the, the team changed to rhythm the rhythm, uh, the rhythm. Um, you know it's, it's it's an interesting thing because I try to put it into perspective and I had a hard time um, but then again it was a little easier for me because I had the opportunity uh, as being an MLS coach to travel to a lot of these facilities and to see the stadiums and you know I was very fortunate when I was in the in the league, some teams still were playing in NFL stadiums like Kansas City. Back then, it was the Wiz. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, New England Revolution hasn't moved from Gillette. Uh, New York used to play, the Metro Stars used to play in the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gave you a perspective, and there was nothing better. Although Columbus was such a, a you know, soccer-specific stadium, the first one, Um, it was
1: very very this is a stadium at the state fairgrounds (laughs) in a lot of ways yeah
2: in many ways but it had this aura if you were Mm -hmm. a soccer person purist you appreciated it Mm -hmm. because it was was just for soccer right and very very inexpensive you know very you know just metal and some concrete and uh, and so forth but it gave you a little bit of that aura of like we're uh, we're heading in the right direction and to be able to walk in into Jodis Park and to just see angles into my first thing was like, oh, my gosh, there's not a bad seat in the stadium. I actually would love to be on the, if, if I get, if I ever get a ticket, if I get a ticket <laughs> to the top, I would have loved to just be on the top, right? You know, with the supporters are standing and you're in that next deck at the top. I'm like, man, that would be just to get all that that energy and all that singing and all that emotion and passion. Oh my God. It's got to be one of, it's going to be a great experience. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those that you just bring the perspective and see how far this and what it means to Nashville is it's now we're, we're in a trajectory and to, and we were talking about this Wes the other day, you know, just what Nashville has done, done, at the youth side of it, you know, building mm-hmm. the academy. Um, they're building their, their their residential program where now they're going to be able to, you know, really try to attract players from all over the country because yeah. the league is easing up on their, you know, territorial where you can go, what you can do. But, man, the next milestone is to get that first kid who came from the academy and starts for Nashville, that homegrown, that it's, it's 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 coming. Uh that the, the guys are working really really hard you know we're we have the relationship with Nashville SC the Academy uh Kevin Flanagan and, and the and the coaching staff there and our club has contributed with probably eight or ten players already mm-hmm. to it uh which is thank you for your
0: which sacrifice <laughs> which, is,
2: which is why we do it right we yeah. do it to just provide that to provide to to, to try to Polished a little bit of that diamond in the rough. But then again, now they go to this next level. And I was just talking to a couple of parents over this weekend that kids in our, they used to be in our club They are with NSC who came because they have younger siblings. They're still in the club. You know, they live here. And uh, they were sharing their experience when they, the, they were playing in Texas, uh, in, in Frisco, in the GA Cup. They play Celtic and they play Flamengo and they play. You, uh, Tim, you were asking me earlier in terms of player development and where mm-hmm. American players. Imagine now those 14, 15 year olds getting that kind of experience. 20 years ago, that wasn't there. That's right. right. Pay for it, and you were in a club that really giving up, or you went to a tournament. Now you're doing it 50, 48 weeks out of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's only accelerating. And I think that our U.S. national team is a reflection of that. So being able to do that now at a local level oof, on a non-traditional state for soccer and, mm-hmm. and we're not viewed. Tennessee is not viewed as a hotbed of soccer. It's not viewed as a matter of fact, you know, some of the elite people, you know, they don't treat Nashville or Tennessee very well. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's this, but now that are we're, we're getting so much better uh, on that. And I can't wait to see that first player. Uh, you know homegrown make his professional debut when uh nashville i see jersey
0: i can't think of many people maybe anybody who has a better perspective on the past the present and the future of nashville soccer than you eddie and i think those who uh who want to follow an expert voice on all three of those things they should look them up gigantico biz on uh, on twitter right well, that's, if you, if you see me,
2: I'm pretty gigantico, you know. Um, and <laughs> actually, my, you know, it's, again, it's a little bit of the, of the on the business side of things. Um, I, 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 I think I'm committing. I, I need to be better in social media. Better, kind of start of bringing my perspective, my opinion? But the logo is the stone face of the Easter Island. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, if I'm sideways, dude, that's me. You know. <laughs> so uh, that's almost like a. Uh, a picture of myself, but no, I like thank it. You, thank you guys, <laughs> appreciate it for your time. And uh, anytime you know, I'm here and uh, I'm looking forward to get more exposure. And I appreciate you guys providing your platform to at least get to say hello to some of the Nashville see fans.
0: Sounds great. Thanks again. We'll talk to you on the air here soon. Yes, sir. Eddie's awesome, Tim. He's you know, he's just an, an incredible person. We sat down and, and had a bite to eat before the last broadcast, and it's one of those where you, you budget if you think it's going to be a 45 minute meal with somebody else, you budget an hour and a half because he's got great things to say. The conversation's always robust. And, and certainly in this case, a, a robust chat with him, what stood out to you?
1: You know, the fact that somebody who is still involved with Nashville SC um, you know, you got, you guys play an important role on match day for a lot of people on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, he is somebody who has been there, not since the beginning of, of soccer in Nashville, that would be ridiculous, but from the, the, the semi pro days of soccer in Nashville to the, to the pro days of Nashville, Nashville soccer, he's seen kind of the depth and breadth of it. Like, and then, you know, that's what we mentioned in, in the intro to this very podcast and everything that he's seen is something that. I don't know if it's matched by anyone in this town. And obviously a dude who's been a pro is, is somebody who's, who's got a level of insight that is, is just unmatched, honestly. Uh, yeah. And
0: I'll tell you, he was not. Uh, just being kind or, or being poignant when he, when he said that he walked into that stadium for the first time and teared up. I was with him. I saw his reaction when he first walked into that stadium and uh, you were there too. He, he, I mean, he had tears mm-hmm. in his eyes. He was, and he just stood and he took it and we were behind everybody else at one point. He stood right around midfield. He stepped up to the, to the open concourse. He looked around and he was just like, I would never have imagined. I would never have imagined this in Nashville and, uh, it's, it's special for him. And so we thought it was only fitting to have that conversation with him leading into that first home match.
1: Yeah. And I think you could go back as recently as 2017, and basically nobody expected to see the sort of thing that they're going to see this Saturday or this Sunday, excuse me, when they walk into Geodis Park. And I hope that everybody has has kind of the genuine, oh my goodness moment that <laughs> Eddie had, that we had when we walked into the yeah. park, too. And, and, yeah. To hear it from somebody who has been in a lot of really important soccer stadiums in this country, mm-hmm. to, to, to hear him say that it is just different, was really exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've all expected the stadium for the
0: last two years, and even still the last time we walked in, the first time we walked in and saw it, it was a humbling, surreal moment, and we think each of you are going to have that experience. And. Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, write us in the mailbag and tell us about it and we'll get to the mailbag now and we'll st- we'll talk a bit more about Geodas Park. Jay Robinson with a great question. He says, Geodis has been beautiful anytime I've seen it or been to it. What's your favorite small detail about it that makes it home for you? I- I'll talk about the shell of the facility because the stadium is really about the people and not about the facility, no matter how beautiful it is. But one thing I really appreciate as a native Nashvilleian is that, you know, Wedgwood Houston is a very different neighborhood, obviously now than it was when I was growing up. But architecturally, the, the warehouse aesthetic, when you go to places like Houston Station or you go you know, to some of these restaurants or, or in that neighborhood that have been reworked in the post-industrial look, the stadium matches that aesthetic. And had a, a detailed conversation on the tour that we both took of the stadium with the locally based architect whose job was to work with the stadium company to make sure that local design elements were, were put in there. And it, this is not PR spin. This mm-hmm. was really part of the heart and soul of this place whether it's the exposed steel beams whether it's kind of the post-industrial look while still looking sleek and nice understated signage uh, inside the facility you're not going to feel like you're on broadway you're going to feel like you're in a real nashville neighborhood and mm-hmm. as a real Nashvilleian, we're both real <laughs> nashvillians but as, as a native Nashvilleian, i really really appreciate that tim
1: yeah w- when she was mentioning some of the the flourishes that made it what what it is i was like stunned each time i guess <laughs> i'm too stupid to be an architect but she would say something and i'd be like oh that that's precisely right. This is exactly what you're saying. And I would have never thought to create that. I would have never noticed it myself without you saying it. And that, that sort of stuff was incredible. But from my perspective, I don't know what is going to make it quote unquote home for me until until we experience it as mm. you know a game day venue. Uh, there are a lot of really good features. I am very happy that they were able to get a lot of local food vendors that people are going to recognize. Yes. Shout out to daddy's dogs based in the best and most important neighborhood in Nashville. Yes, they are. Included yes, included it is included among there. But um, which one is ultimately going to be the one that makes me feel like home? I, I don't know until until I go in there. And I'm like, okay, now it is home. Now I can see what makes it feel that way. But um, I there will absolutely be something I have no doubt about that.
0: It's going to be special. Can't wait. All right. So we'll, we'll stick on the home theme, but talk a little soccer now. Soul Man reaching out. How different did Nashville play at home versus away last season? He says, I think I'm looking for XG numbers here. And John Mueller uh, related question. How realistic is it to keep telling fans that they slash we are overreacting and it'll be different at home in terms of the, the playing style after L.A.? Uh, I'll go with the stats here. Uh, Soul Man, how different home versus away last year? A, a lot different. 35 goals on 29 expected. At home last year, 20 goals on 17 expected on the road. That's taking out the playoff matches, so we're talking 17 games apiece here. And you're talking 70% more production uh, at home than on the road, roughly. Shots mirror that a little bit, too. Not quite 70%, but about five shots per game more at home than on the road. Um, Tim, again, we don't know what we don't know about this home ground. And part of that is how Nashville will play there. We have reason to be very optimistic based on the fortress they turned Nissan stadium into, but can we expect a similar difference you think this year? Or do you think the, the bright road performances might cut into that a little bit, no
1: matter how well they play at home. Yeah. When you look at the difference between home and road performances, Nashville was, uh, they were above average away from home, but they were extremely good at home. Um, They were just below average away in attack and, and very far above average at home in attack. Mm -hmm defensively is what I want to look at because that was where they were. They were quite good at home, but they were absolutely elite. They were um, on average a half a standard deviation per game better than the league average um, in terms, you know, with all the adjustments that it, a lot of stats stuff. I'm, I'm doing crazy manipulations in my mind. I'm, I'm doing this. That the beautiful mind screen. I'm doing the like, Yeah. Is that, yeah. Beautiful mind too. Yeah. Either of those. Um, but what they were doing very well at home, even even better than the, than they were doing on the road is, is, is that they they prevent opponents from finding chances. And, and thanks to Joe Willis, the conversion was even lower. There were opponents converted below their XG rates. So when you look at what they're going to do at home this year, we don't know how Geotas Park is going to affect that because Nissan Stadium was so good for Nashville last year. Was it a matter of, being in nashville or is it a matter of being at nissan stadium we don't know but i think it's, it's reasonable to expect that uh, a big part of it is being not on the road since that's a pretty consistent <laughs> thing across mls teams as well but it, it will be better at home <clears throat> we'll see how much better and if that's enough to to get better results to
0: and the team has had some chances to train at the stadium, gotten used to the field a little bit. And, and talking with Gary Smith um, last week before the Galaxy match, I think he was pretty pleased with, with what he's seen and experienced so far. So, you know, there's not going to be, there's not a, you know, a limestone quarry in midfield. There's not a mud pit, you know, first Tennessee park style when it rains in the penalty box, shout out Josh Hughes back pass. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, there's nothing quirky about this field that's, that's not going to be, you know, easy to adjust mm-hmm. to i think in, they're gonna...
1: in the, the day of the stadium tour a couple of tuesdays ago it poured oh it was bad and, and they and they trained on it and it looked like it might as well have been 75 and sunny all week yeah. it was it was pristine
0: yeah so i think you know you can you can take away some of those hidden variables you might be worried about and mm-hmm. and go play soccer with mm-hmm. 30,000 fans behind you which gives reason for optimism but John Mueller taking things maybe a different direction in the next question. What is this team's ceiling if
1: they play more games like the Galaxy match? I mean, in theory, that ceiling would be pretty low. But, um, <laughs> right, yeah. But I, th- I, th- I think that's the thing is, is they aren't going to play very many like that. Like, hey, this team plays like their FC Cincinnati every game. Are they going to win the wooden spoon? Yes, of course <laughs> they are. But I, I just don't think it's likely that they're yeah. going to do that. There are going to be other stinkers this year. Hopefully not as bad as as the L.A. game was especially the second half but um you know if that ends up being the worst game of the year from a standpoint of being unable to kind of stop a, a boulder rolling downhill um i think that that seems like a likely a likely status that that's the one that that you can really just feel the momentum over the course of an entire half and um i i guess the answer is I don't want to think about it because I don't think it's it's possible that they play a whole lot more that poorly.
0: Yeah. And even with that deluge being shot 13 and one in the second half galaxy still held to less than one expected goal in the road. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, um the problem is that if they play in more late games like that, you guys are going to go to bed at halftime. My poor radio calls aren't going to have listeners, but there could <laughs> still be nil nil. I mean, Nashville could still hold on. Cause even with that on, they almost did. They almost they did. did. They did. They could have, they really very well could have, uh, and, and again, that's match eight of eight on the road. I'll stop using that excuse. Cause I know fans don't want to hear it after that performance, but, uh, I don't think that's what we're going to see typically from this team this year, even away from home. Uh, one more from, from John Mueller. Why would a central defensive mid be the first sub in a game that theoretically
1: was there to be won? When you get to that stage of the game, um, maybe some coaches approach it differently. I think we very much know how Gary Smith is going to approach it. Yep. You want to save the point that you have. At that stage, especially on the road, if they were at home, I think you would have seen a, a different approach with that first substitution, but there you want to try and save the point obviously it didn't happen, but hey, that's it's going to happen sometimes Tracy Edwards. Are you guys also of
0: the opinion that NSC should all caps be in contention for one of the three possible trophies this season? I think we are an added quality attacker and a right back slash right wing back in the window away from being that good if we show necessary ambition.
1: Yeah, I think Nashville City should absolutely be in contention for trophies this year. I think it would behoove them to go all out for the Open Cup in this kind of short run that it's going to be. Um, all the matches except for the final take place. Uh, they're, they're over by the end of July. So um, the heavy schedule is bad. If you keep winning, you, you get rewarded by having to play a bunch of midweek games. But there's a trophy that you can pick up before the end of the regular season. So you kind of can knock out that trophy <laughs> trophy a little bit <laughs> earlier there. Um, The schedule congestion clears up pretty quickly, like I just said, and it shouldn't be enough of a load, even if you do kind of rotate your your team a little bit differently uh, for regular season games so that you can go out and win open cup games. It shouldn't harm you enough that you're going out and sacrificing a chance at the playoffs. If you, if you, you know, Put a Ahmed Longmire out there before he's quite ready. Blood yeah. him a little bit in a regular season game rather than an Open Cup game. just You're just choosing which one, which one you're going to kind of prioritize.
0: It. Yeah, I think this club's going to take us Open Cup seriously. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe not a best eleven side against Atlanta in that in that match, but you know, they'll rotate because everybody rotates. But I, I do think they understand. Also, it's the quickest route to Concacaf Champions League, and and really an, an incredible test. Can you imagine having you know Pumas coming to jonas Park next year? Uh You know what? A, what a cool. No, that would be horrible.
1: Oh, the soccer team. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> They've cleared the neighborhood of most wild animals. I think I <laughs> think we're okay there. Maybe some stray dogs might wander up, but no, uh, no lion uh, approximate animals <laughs> <will> be attacking. <laughs> Uh, Oh, well, maybe T-Grace, though. We I was going to say,
1: we got some T-Grace as well.
0: (laughs) All right, on that that topic, Lord have mercy. Uh, (laughs) Soul Man, will we see a rotated lineup for the Open Cup game on the 11th? Yeah, and and I think what we'll do, a fun exercise um, before that match, will be to get into our ideal 11s that balance the likelihood of success with developing guys and getting guys some time. But to shorten that concept just to one player, Tim, who's one guy, who you think would benefit most from getting a start in US Open Cup and
1: why is it Ake Loba? <laughs> to get back to, to man's question real quick, I do I do think there will be a rotation, but not too heavy because they're gonna want to win a rivalry game mm-hmm. against Atlanta. And this club, this club really, really values the open cup. I don't think as many clubs as should value the open cup in this league do. And Nashville is gonna be one of the ones that's way up there. But um, yes, yes, is Loba because A heavy heavy match schedule means attackers get more opportunities, but give me Brian Meredith. I think he needs it because he's been hanging out on the bench for way too long. This This guy has watched Joe Willis play every competitive minute for the club, and it's time. It's time it would do right by Meredith.
0: I don't know that it does anything for you as a club. I think if anything, you call in, you call in Panico back I, this off. Is, of
1: this is, this is a pro Brian Meredith podcast. now. <laughs>
0: hey, I I'm all about seeing him play. I think, I think Willis probably gets to start quite honestly. I, I mm. don't think they will. Retire. I think if, oh, if Elliot one, Panico is your number two, one. then you develop him. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you let Panico in and, and get the Panico out of the way. Um, but uh, yeah, Sean White, what happened in the second half? I decided to take a nap at the half and woke up at the end of the game. And I will say we really only included this one because he also did include a delicious looking burger pick from ML Rose. So thank you, Sean. What should have happened is you also should have ordered some caffeine with your beer at ML <laughs> Rose. And then you would have stayed up uh, for the second half. Or maybe maybe you did right to not and missing the second half was an OK thing, actually. In this, yeah, I was going to say case. maybe
1: maybe that's if you fell asleep at halftime of that one. Uh, rarely do I do I advocate for that. but That might have been the game to do it.
0: Yeah, true. Uh, Logan Elliott, MLS rumor mill has started back up for Shaq Moore, uh, and this was actually a question he asked last week after we recorded and, and wanted to make sure we got it in. Um, he said, first thoughts on whether Nashville is the team who've reached out back out to uh, Tenerife, Tenerife? Is that where we are calling it right? Um, secondly, if so, how do you all see Moore fitting into
1: the squad? Who who owns Shaq's discovery rights, Tim? Yeah, I don't, I don't know who owns is the Shaq's Orlando Magic. Discovery rides. <laughs> Heyo." uh hopefully there's not a penny out there somewhere and then we can really get back to 1996. He was good with the dimes. (laughs) Yeah um yeah so it's unclear who holds holds Shaq's discovery rights or theoretically MLS reserves the right to add anybody to the allocation list. Shaq did play for the U.S. men's national team in the the last window of World Cup qualifying and, and projects to play in the summer windows as well. Theoretically, MLS could add him to that list. That'd be really mean because presumably somebody <laughs> has his allocation right or his discovery rights, excuse me. And either that team is Nashville, or I do expect that Nashville has uh, accumulated enough allocation money to trade for the for those discovery rights. All indications out of both Spain and out of the Wedgewood Houston neighborhood are that Nashville is serious about Shackmore. That hasn't changed. I, I think the MLS rumor mill has has picked up because. It, it just kind of got tired because the situation was Nashville wants to sign check more. And that's not, that hasn't changed. It's just a matter of let's let's recycle it. Now that people have kind of forgotten about it a little <laughs> bit, Tenerife just doesn't want to sell him mid season. Their season is, is coming to an end pretty quickly here, but also the MLS transfer window is closing in and, and Nashville will have to wait till summer. If they want to sign him as for fit, He is mostly a stay at home right back, although he does have some attacking talent and he has the athletic ability to get forward and overlap a little bit. I think he reminds me actually quite a bit of of what Nashville got out of Alistair Johnson at a slightly higher level, both in terms of consistency at the back and maybe a little bit more of, of kind of those incisive passes in the attack. Although Alistair may have stepped that up as you mentioned earlier, but um, he can provide just enough additional attacking punch to to you know be an upgrade over what Nashville had last year and 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 certainly um even though we are the Eric Miller defending podcast uh he would be an upgrade over Eric Miller as well.
0: Sure. Uh stay tuned folks, clubcountryusa.com Tim will we'll have updates as they come on on check more <laughs> that potential and we will hear as well. That's that's really good insight though into Nashville's potential interest and as well as uh, more importantly what he could bring uh, yeah, to this Yeah, I'll,
1: I'll be uh, I'll be providing uh live updates from the autonomous territory of Spain. That appears to be a, uh, the most gorgeous place I've ever seen. As I like, Google it for the first time, it's in the Canary Islands. I thought that's um, where which, it was. which I, which I it suspected were going to be beautiful. Um, confirmed, <laughs> confirmed. Yeah, I would love to go.
0: That's good wine too. Um, I've had some Canary Islands white wine before. It's just it's delicious. Right there off the coast of Africa. All right, we're, we're drifting again. Um, we have plans, by the way. Besides, the Rose, continental drift. <laughs> continental drift.
1: Nice.
0: Yes, I got gotcha. you.
1: I got gotcha. like. Because it's in Spain, but it's off the coast of Africa.
0: Yeah, no, I got it. I bet the I bet the trade winds are blowing there, and not just related yeah. to Shaq Moore.
1: Yeah, hey, there we go. Trade, but that'd be a transfer, right? <laughs> don't don't ruin the beer. <laughs> ruin the brilliance. We have plans,
0: by the way, Tim. In addition to ML Rose, in addition to you know covering the match and me broadcasting it, Stooks mm-hmm. wants to know what time we're we're stopping by the assembly tailgate for our hugs because yeah. hashtag us who shall be
1: hugging Stooks. That's it.
0: I'll I'll let him initiate the hug. It's fine, but I'll I'll show up for it. Uh, that's true. We got it. We got to do that. We got to pick a time before these concerts start. Before we have to do our jobs to go
1: give a hug and get a hug from Stukes. So what's real tough for me is that West Ham plays at. Uh, gosh, I think it might be twelve thirty. So I'm I'm gonna have to miss the end of the West Ham game either way. It's, it's yeah. They play Arsenal play. by the way. We should watch that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be. We got, we got West Ham, we got Hug Stukes, we got Go See go see Some, some Pre-Game Concerts. We got Rose. A, lot, a lot going on. Emma Rose. Yes. M.O. Rose has
0: just been pushed to post-game, for yeah. sure, I think. <laughs> or maybe we watch West Ham Arsenal there. I don't know. We'll see. See uh, how I feel about watching a win with you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's go outside in now. We've talked a bit about U.S. Open Cup. The draw was this past week. And really, I'm excited about this. I and mean, U- we,
1: we talk about it a lot. It's I, great. I, I, it is not me just pumping this up. I absolutely love the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, I we were watching so Flower
0: much. Union and a couple of years ago, Florida so- Soccer Soldiers and yes. California United or Northern Colorado Hailstorm. It's, it's the it's the closest we get to the NCAA tournament, really. Right. It's, it's Northern Colorado Romans. Hailstorm. <laughs> Their
1: second game. Yeah, also, like, brand I love new. It. Brand I love
0: new it. USL League One team knocking off RSL because, as you mentioned, some clubs don't take it quite as seriously as we think Nashville SC will. It's the seventh meeting all-time between Nashville and Atlanta in all competitions, not counting that first-ever uh, friendly, uh, you know, we'll call it the eighth time because Repapamensa deserves that. <laughs> um, Tim, the options in the draw because there were regional pods for this round were Atlanta, Charlotte, and Richmond. Are you happy to get Atlanta?
1: No, I would have rather seen... Either of the other two, because first, they are worse teams in Atlanta. Yes, I know Charlotte and Atlanta have already split their season series, but um, Atlanta is is a better team right now than Charlotte. I also would have liked to see a road game. Um, Atlanta, was that was not an option. They, They did not put in a bid to host. I think Nashville thrives kind of in that situation, especially kind of short notice finding out who you're going to play and then going out and kind of feeling like, hey, here we are. You know, we're bringing our show on the road, you know, the, I, the world against us and and i feel like that's a situation especially in cup play that really kind of
2: benefits that.
0: it's fair i think at richmond would have been miserable around sunset um i can tell you at least from a broadcast perspective the press box faces due west
1: and it's a it's a former racetrack i we went i went to a game there yeah, I thought when nashville there, yeah. was still in usl yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's a really cool downtown stadium it's a nice area um, town it, over there it could yeah. use it could use some love for sure <laughs> and i i get Uh, I guess that's probably why Richmond dropped to League One rather than staying in the championship turn the press box around put it on the other (laughs) side you can't see
0: watching into the sun it was uh, yeah rough Uh, but uh, I'm thrilled with Atlanta I think it's great to have that rivalry playing Atlanta now twice in 11 days at Geodas Park are you kidding me I think it's going to be awesome the one thing I cared about honestly was hosting and getting an extra chance to get inside Geodis Park, to get Nashville mm-hmm. accustomed to that home pitch a little quicker. Uh, I'm all about it, and it's a chance. Maybe maybe it sells out in 30K or there, but usually Open Cup crowds are a little lighter, and so it's a chance for maybe some other folks to get in on maybe somewhat of a lighter night. I don't know. that Those tickets may get pretty hot based on what season ticket holders have done. Uh, we'll see. Other noteworthy matchups, though, Tim. Uh, we do have some MLS versus MLS showdowns. Orlando-Philly could be really interesting. Uh, you got DC and... and Red Bulls in that classic rivalry, and then US League, USL League One versus League One Union Omaha versus Northern Colorado, or is it Unión? Border, border battle there, right? Yes, they do. Yes, it not is. not it much of one because Omaha is yeah, literally on the, on the
1: east, east of, <laughs> of Nebraska <laughs> have,
0: Yeah, maybe if they were playing like Des Moines or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that, that there are two minnows playing each other as well. So one of those is going to get to the round of 16 and maybe they'll draw Nashville. Who knows?
1: Yeah, my... my match that i'm looking forward to is another one that's that does not include an mls team it is it is two teams that would be very upset if you called them minnows though that's the louisville city detroit city matchup it's usl on usl for a a trip to the round of 16 plus it's a team that i like against one that i absolutely detest so it'll be very easy to root for louisville in that one what yeah oh wait you hate Detroit? michigan guy yeah, uh, there's a long so story the, here. the team isn't bad. I when I lived in Detroit, I used to play in the in the league that is owned by the by the guys who own Detroit City FC. But the uh, Eastern European Ultras Cosplay Club of Oakland County it makes this team just un, absolutely unlikable. Interesting. I I just assumed you'd be partial to the Michigan no, team. No, absolutely not. There's a deeper story. I used there. to live walking distance from where they used to play, which was at Castaic High School, and I refused to ever go. All
0: right. Well, that's that's your USL culture lesson <laughs> of the night. Uh, CCL, Seattle, taking on Pumas, two-legged final. If Seattle win, they're the first ever MLS club to win CCL in its current version and would go to the Club World Cup. They go to Pumas first, then to Seattle. Tim, can Seattle get it done? Yes.
1: Marshawn Lynch demands it so. Oh, this did my, he ever? My, my second thing that I have to... That I have to remember to say for content recommendations check out the sounders uh hype video with marshawn lynch in it they just put it out on monday afternoon hilarious Marshawn lynch is a national treasure regardless of whether or not he had uh, deemed his team uh required to win i think they've got what it takes it's time for an mls team to win this and and having the second leg at home is going to be huge for the sounders he brought the energy and you know seattle fans
0: will as well for that final and again if they win it, Nashville SC fans can just remind the league that they beat that Seattle team. Uh, first game of the year. Uh, elsewhere in the league, New England lost again to a DC club that just fired its manager. We've explored this before, but this is now five losses in six for a group that has had not a whole lot of turnover from the club who won Supporters Shield last year. I know they outperformed their metrics last year. Another missing Gustavo Bow right now, and, and of course they let go of Tejan Buchanan and sent him off to Europe. Still, are they missing those guys that
1: badly? What, what's happening? It's it's the Matt Turner effect, man. Uh, He is the best keeper that MLS has seen in a very long time, and uh, when you replace him with Earl Edwards for the first couple games of the year and get terrible performances out of him. That is not how you replace a guy who is, who is one of the best. And Brad Knighton has really stabilized it, but he's not going to go out and steal games like Turner could. Um, they've still gotten worse in XG terms, both attacking and defensively. So it's not like the goalkeeper is the only difference, but it just feels like at a certain point, unless you have a, a deserving league MVP walking through those doors, you can't make up for that many personnel losses at once.
0: Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see if they can rebound from that. It's a long season, as we'll remind you. Uh, And uh, New England has 26 chances to to get back (laughs) in. That math... I'm going to have to edit out that long pause. I'm going to do 34 minus minus. it
1: longer. Do do like a (laughs) 30-second pause. (laughs) And if you're still with us,
0: let's go to the final (laughs) whistle. Uh, One thing adds up, and that is the numbers 4, 4, and 0. They are 8, and the 0 is unnecessary. But the 440 Sports Football League update... Uh, For the week, I'm up to fourth, but Tim, this is going to sound not impressive, but I'm pretty proud of it. I had the 265th best week in all of MLS That's games. really good. There's like
1: millions of people playing.
0: I was 21 points off the pace for the best, I think, overall. Thanks to Captain Tati. Uh, I don't often thank Tati Castellanos on the show. I think last week we actually banned him from listening to this show because <laughs> uh, he was going to be so interested otherwise. Uh, but uh, he went off uh, once again. And in uh, a five four win over Toronto at, at City Field, another baseball stadium, of course, and they outscored the Mets. Um, and uh, he was my captain, so uh, that went well. He got one hundred three points for the week and only moved up one place in our very competitive group. You are in forty first, Tim.
1: Yeah, I started. I started three guys who were, ended up with DNP coaches' decision, including Cecilia Dominguez, who's been having a really good year, and Ola Kamara, who just did nothing but score goals. Um, perhaps uh outperformed his metrics Ola Kamara last year so it, this week i have no excuse i i set my lineup and i it was i made terrible. sure <laughs> you had no excuse i made sure you remembered yeah and, uh you
0: know it happens braden is still behind and braden even said this this past week he was all in now he was committed to turning it around he dropped two i got
1: to now, now that we're talking about it, i'm going to set mine for this week too <laughs> just good. I, I put myself out there I, I don't have the excuse for next week either
0: I'll cover the rest of the show. You just go do that. Um, content <laughs> recommendations, Tim. You've already given
1: us a couple here. While you decide which of those two to bring, I will say. No, no, this. no, I've got, I've got, I've got a great content recommendation. Okay, it's called, it's called Ultimate Soccer Dad. Dart McCarty inspires Songs to chase MLS success. There it is, by Paul Tenorio, published in the Orlando Sentinel on February eighteenth, twenty fifteen. So it's not quite as old as I thought it was. Uh, it is about Dax McCarty's dad and how Dax and his brother Dustin uh, became pro soccer players, even though their dad never kicked a soccer ball in his life, just because of the sort of guy he is and the sort of kind of personality traits that he imbued in his sons. And we obviously are very familiar with Dax and, and know what his personality is like. And, and Dart is is the source of that personality. And um, like I said, a former Top Gun pilot. This stuff. This is not. Some, this is not something that that's I made cool. up. I know. No, I'm it reading it right like now it. too. But, but uh, it's a, it's a great read from Paul and a, a good friend of the show as well. So um, check it out and and read that. It it will give you some insight into how Dax McCarty became kind of the guy that we all know and love and is the captain of this club.
0: And read good journalism, by the way, whether it's Tenorio, who's now with the Athletic, and, and stay Cole and those guys, or or anywhere else across this league. Or there's this Club Country USA site that's pretty good too. <laughs> Uh, check it read, out read good content uh despite that recommendation i'm actually going to tell you my content is actual soccer this time and not one of those great journalists uh, find a lower tier league with a promotion battle and watch it playoff time is happening in england here soon uh the team i'm not gonna call them my team because i don't deserve that mantle as a fan i just adopted them a couple years ago but nottingham forest in the championship i've been following
1: uh, ethan horvath
0: yeah, exactly. No, he doesn't play, <laughs> but
1: he's there, and he has a chance to
0: to maybe be a Premier League player next year if he hangs on and they get promoted. Um, they play Fulham uh, on on Tuesday. Uh, it's huge. Fulham can Fulham's
1: already up, so they they got they're already up, and they can clinch the
0: championship title. Oh, yeah, they're they can clinch championship title with a win. Forrest can pretty much clinch a playoff spot um, if they. If they win, that's one that's going to be on ESPN plus Carries so many of these games, including that one. In fact, I'll tell you this and then we'll get out of here. My my year and a half old sees me say ESPN plus so much to the voice remote now that he picks up the remote unsolicited and says ESPN plus to it. And puts it back <laughs> down. He's 20 months
1: old. <laughs> and Producer Lily it. gets mad if I if I use the uh, talk. Uh, if I use the Siri on my Apple TV. Really? She gets mad that I didn't let her say it. Oh, so, she wants yeah. to be the one. But
0: then if she says it, she can choose what she wants. And that's a dangerous place well, to be.
1: She's she's just going to repeat what I said anyway. Bluey, most of the time. Oh, oh
0: yeah. That's, okay. that's another content
1: recommendation. Bluey.
0: <laughs> we are, we are throwback, Bluey, throwback. A, a Bluey-friendly <laughs> show. Yeah, from like a year ago. <laughs> Uh, good to know it's got some staying power though and she's she's still into it that's great I'm, I'm near my bluey days all right um this was fun we promised to do a shorter show and then we <laughs> didn't uh, but <laughs> we really appreciate you guys listening uh, to our verbosity as always we've never been accused of being concise we won't steer you wrong when it comes to burgers uh, that's a place where we can be verbose with you over beers and burgers ml rose the sponsor i get of this loud
1: show. too after the beers
0: i yes forward to it everyone that's true the beers and maybe after the tequilas as well you get a little (laughs) little vocal that's okay there's nothing wrong with that i i make up in noise what i wait i'm messing up that (laughs) phrase i'm i'm not as loud i just talk more and more and i tell (laughs) jokes and don't understand why people don't laugh at them um Probably because they're not particularly funny. Uh, we get offended; it's a whole thing. Uh, Moon Taxi, by the way, great music. Thanks again for uh, to them for for being the bookend uh, soundtrack of our show. Get on here, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, follow us on Twitter. Had a couple more ratings here recently. Uh, no reviews to go with it though, but we do have a lot of you who have offered your comments. So as you send the burger picture to us on on uh, on Twitter, then hop on to Apple Podcasts, give us a quick review, tell us why we are your um, burger recommenders of choice. Uh, Give us each a follow on Twitter. Tell a friend about the show. And thanks to the 440 Sports Network for putting us on the air. Have a great week. We will see so many of you Sunday. Can't wait.